0: Welcome. David's psalms are often prayers and poems of great beauty, yet that beauty did not come from an easy or comfortable life. David had many cruel enemies who at times seemed to be on every side of him, and his psalms are often his desperate prayers to God to help him. In that situation. Today we're looking at Psalm 140. I'm Keith Simons and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. So please turn with me to Psalm 140. The heading for Psalm 140 is to the chief musician That's the leader of the worship of God in God's house, the temple. And then a Psalm of David to remind us that this was a prayer of David's. So looking at this verse by verse and word by word, we begin, of course, at verse one. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent violent man. Deliver me, save me, rescue me. David's praying to God for help. Maybe the evil man he's praying about is King Saul. Before David was king, the previous king, King Saul tried to kill him and sent a large group of soldiers after him, searching everywhere for him in order to arrest him and bring about his death. Not only was David's enemy evil? He was also a violent man, a cruel man. And David prays to be preserved from that violent man, to be protected from his schemes. In verse 2, he describes the character of those people who opposed him. These people imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. Mischieves, evil thoughts in their, they're filling their heart or, or their minds with evil thoughts and evil plans they're trying to trying to cause trouble and they're doing it continually. they gather together not to praise God, not to do what is right, not even for friendship or for pleasure. When they gather these evil enemies gather for war. They gather to cause the maximum trouble and the maximum cruelty. In verse 3, David turns to a word picture to describe them. They've sharpened their tongues like a serpent. addas poison is under their lips. A serpent is a snake. A snake has a pointed tongue. But of course, the danger of a snake is not his tongue, but the poison which many, many snakes have in their bite. The type of snake is the Adam. So when David says they've sharpened their tongues like a serpent, he's thinking of how their words become almost like swords, how their words become like knives, like instruments of cruelty, like weapons to attack him with. And then He speaks of the poison that is in their words, that is hidden in their words, Uh, not that their words were themselves poisonous, but that they had the same effect of poison, to cause trouble, to cause injury, to cause death. So that's how David describes them. And these pictures describe to us the nature of sin, the nature of people's evil deeds, that... Those evil deeds, although people might might think of them just as being something they do for their own benefit, they're dangerous, they cause injury, they cause pain, they cause suffering, they cause death. How terrible it is to be controlled by evil thoughts, evil desires, evil plans. With that, David pauses with the word seller. We think that this word just means pause in the music, but it might, be, it might be an opportunity to praise God. It might be saying, they are so evil, but we should still give honour and praise to God. Or as I say, it might just be a pause and it's a good point in a psalm at which to pause and just think about the words that we've heard. And then we continue with verse 4. Keep me, O Lord, praise David, From the hands of the wicked. Why? Because wicked people use their hands to do cruel and evil things. When they pick up a sword, a weapon, a knife, a dagger. Well, then the danger is from their hands. So David prays to be kept from the hands of them. But that word hands is also a word picture from their control. Don't let me go, prays David, under the control of wicked people. Keep me safe from them. Preserve me from the van man, he adds, who have purposed to overthrow my goings. They've purposed. It's their, their purpose, their plan, their scheme. They've made a plan against me, and it is to overthrow my goings. My goings means my footsteps. If someone overthrows you as you're walking along it means that they throw them to you it means that they throw you to the ground the word picture is of a robber who sees you walking along and suddenly rushes upon you in order first to throw you to the ground and then to rob you and to hurt you and maybe to kill you and uh, that's how David describes these people they're like robbers they're trying to throw him to the ground. They're trying to destroy him. They're trying to defeat God's plan for his life. Verse five, the proud, he says. That's a new description. We've had the description, the wicked, the violent man, but now, uh, and the evil man. But now David describes them as the proud. They're people who trust in themselves. They're people who think themselves great, who have great ambitions and great plans, and it is David's defeat that will bring them success in those plans. But they little know that because they're attacking David, the servant of God, they've really made a scheme against God himself. They're really rising up against God. And so David, as a servant of God, is appealing to God for his help against these proud people. The proud, verse 5, have hid a snare for me and cords. They've spread a net by the wayside. They've set gins for me. Okay, a snare and cords and a net with gins. These two halves of the verse are describing a similar sort of thing. The point is this, if you want to trap birds, maybe you want to catch them in order to eat them for food. Um, you spread a net for them, but if they fly into the net, especially if it's a loose net of the kind people were able to make then, well, they could break free from that. They could escape. So what you have to do is you have to set your net with cords, with strings. And then when the bird flies into that net, it, it struggles to get free. And in doing so, it pulls away the strings and the net covers it over. And the idea of a net and a gin, it's similar to the idea of a snare with cords. So David is describing a way to hunt birds. You place such a net by the wayside, by the side of the footpath. The bird flies into it and it gets trapped. It gets tangled into that net. It can't free itself. It can't break free. It can't fly away. And David is saying, these evil people, they've got schemes and plans that are just like that. Just as that net is Is something deceitful. It looks safe, but it's there to cause the death of the bird. So these evil people were doing things which looked like they were safe. They looked to be innocent people. They looked uh, to be the sort of people who David could rely on. But they were being deceitful. They were being deceitful because their real plan was to cause David's death. And it was therefore against them that David was praying to God for help and support. And with that, David adds another little pause with the word selah. And now in verse 6, he turns to remember who his God is. He turns to remember that them with their power, with their evil schemes, that those evil people are not his God. He trusts in the real God, the living God, the God who made heaven and earth. He prays, I have said unto the Lord, thou art my God. You God, you're the strong one who defends me. I don't don't imagine that these evil people have complete power over me. I don't imagine they have any power over me when you act, because all the power in heaven and on earth belongs to you. And if I pray to you, O God, in accordance with your will, you will hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. You will hear my prayer. So I must pray in accordance with the will of God, what God wants. And what could God want more than the defeat of evil schemes, than that evil plans should be stopped, then that what is right and good should prevail and should succeed. And so I turn to God. I turn to God when wicked people oppose me. I turn to God when my enemies are acting so cruelly against me. I turn to God and to him I put my trust. In him I put my trust. Thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, because when God hears, God answers the prayer. God acts in power. God defends his faithful people. God saves them from their enemies. And in verse 7, David turns from prayer to prophecy. David sees the answer to his prayer, O God the Lord, he prays. It's interesting that phrase. You notice in the King James Bible, we usually have the word Lord to represent the name of the sacred name of God in block capitals. But here it's the word God that is in block capitals. So the word that's translated God here is God's sacred name, the name the, the Jewish people did not pronounce out of respect for God because they considered that name so holy. O God, the Lord, O God, O Lord, the Lord, my Master. O God, you are my Master, you are the strength of my salvation. You are the strong one who brings me salvation, rescue, safety from all of my enemies. Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. O when my enemies oppose me, when they threaten me, when they attack me, It's you, God, who covers my head like a helmet. You protect me from all the dangers that they had planned against me. You are looking after me. You are keeping me safe, even in the day of greatest danger, even in the day of battle. Verse eight, back to prayer. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Maybe these wicked people pretended to be religious. Maybe they thought themselves religious, maybe they thought in their pride that God himself would help them against David. David prays against their plans, he prays against their wrong desires, their evil schemes. He says, God, they might pray to you for help in carrying out these terrible plans then don't answer those prayers. Don't answer the prayers of wicked men. Don't satisfy their desires. Further not his wicked device. A device means a plan. Further not. In other words, don't let this plan go any further. Don't let this plan succeed. This wicked man has made this plan to overthrow me, to kill me, to destroy me. Your plan for my life, don't let it happen, O God. And he gives a reason, lest they exalt themselves. He's already called these evil people in verse 5, the proud. Proud people constantly become more and more proud. They trust in themselves more and more, David prays against it. Uh, He prays that God will defeat their evil plans, lest they exalt themselves, lest they imagine themselves even greater, lest the evil words that they speak against God and the pride that they have in their hearts becomes even more and even more, David prays, stop them now, Lord. Defeat them totally so that they can no longer trust in themselves, so that they can no longer be proud. Or perhaps if they were not proud, perhaps there might be hope for them. Perhaps they might then realise that God is truly great and God is protecting his servant David. Perhaps they might even turn from their sins. Perhaps they might confess their sins to God. And then David could pray for God to accept them and to forgive them. But well, with that thought and just that hint that there might be forgiveness for them, David pauses again with the word "seller." But in verse 9, he doesn't continue to pray for their rescue, but rather for God's judgment to be against them. These are the people who will not repent. They will not turn back from their sins. They will not seek God's forgiveness. No, they are determined to carry out their evil schemes. They surround David. They compass him about in the words of verse 9. Let me read that. As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Now, David has already spoken about the covering of the head in verse 7. There he said, To God, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. And in that verse, the covering of the head was a picture of a helmet, a protection. God being his helmet, looking after him, giving him safety. But no such thing for the head of those that compass me about. Those enemies who surround me like robbers to attack me, to rob me, to kill me, to overthrow me. No, David says in their evil act, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. They have wanted to throw me down to hell. They have made a plan to destroy my life and to take me from the land of the living. Oh, let their own evil scheme be against them. They are not turning back to God. They are not seeking his forgiveness. So God's judgment must be against them. And David speaks, maybe he's speaking in prayer now, or maybe in prophecy. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits that they rise not up again. That's verse 10. Oh, it was them who wanted to throw burning coals on me. Fire, to... to, to kill me and to destroy me, a deep pit to bury me in the ground. It was them who hoped that I would not rise up and to gain the position of kingship to which God has appointed me. But this, this should be the judgment against them. The very evil words and the very evil plans that they have spoken against me. They wanted to send me to hell. But God's judgment against them is that their own judgment should be what they suffer, that they themselves should suffer in hell. Or like, like the city of Sodom where burning coals fell from heaven in order to, to consume that city in fire. Or like Korah who fell into a deep pit in the earth, the earth swallowed him up and he went straight into the hell. Let such a judgment be against these evil enemies. But David doesn't say, I want to do this. He's not a vengeful or an aggressive man. He's saying, God, you must deal with them. God, I can't deal with these enemies. God, they're beyond my power. But you make your judgment. And this will happen. In fact, He says, they have made the judgment. Let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Verse 9, they have themselves declared the judgment that should happen to them. And so David prays that they rise not up again. Only if that judgment is complete will their defeat be complete. Only if that judgment is complete will that power be lost. Now, you might say, shouldn't David be praying for mercy? Shouldn't David be praying that they turn back to God? To that I give the answer, well, he's already hinted that there might be that opportunity for them. But if they don't take that opportunity, if a wicked person does not turn back to God, if he persists and becomes even more and more evil, then God's judgment certainly is against him. But... We are not just praying about human enemies here because David prayed about, verse 9, the head of those that compass me about. And uh, that can mean in the Hebrew the leader of those who surround me and oppose me. And who was the leader of those evil people? Was it really King Saul or was it the devil? Well, God's judgment is against the devil. And God's judgment is that hell has been prepared for him for all of eternity. God's judgment, burning coals, deep pits, the bottomless pit, that is the place for God's enemy, the devil. And David is merely announcing his agreement with God's judgment, his agreement that what God wants should be done. Verse 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. David prays, those who speak evil things, those who make these evil plans, God, don't let them be established, don't let them become strong, don't let them continue to have power. They already have power, they have much power, they use their power against God's people, against good people. So David prays and he asks God to act against them, to end their power, to bring about the rule of God's Messiah, God's King, when finally evil speakers and evil schemes will come utterly to an end and be destroyed entirely in their evil plans. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. What was the purpose of David's enemies in verse four? It was to overthrow my goings, to throw to the ground the good person, the person who served God, but now it's evil. It's the angel of death. It's a worker of evil things, hunting after the person who is cruel and violent and nasty in order to throw him to the ground, to defeat him. Verse 12, David turns away from his attention, from these evil people who he's been thinking about so much in this psalm, and he thinks of God's faithful people. He calls them the afflicted, those who are suffering and the poor, those who need help, those who need support. Who is there who helps the afflicted? Who is it who supports the needy, and those who are in trouble. Why? Who is it who helped me, says David, when I was in trouble? I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. God himself will stand up on behalf of those who are in trouble, those who who are poor in this life, those who are struggling and needy and need God's help. God knows about their cause and their right. These are legal terms, even in English. God will stand as their defender in court. God will support them. God will care about them. God will provide for them. And so David calls these needy people by two other names in verse 13. The righteous and the upright. They are the people who in all their troubles have remained faithful to God. In their needs they've looked to God to support. They haven't turned to evil schemes. They are the people of God. And surely, says David, it's sure, just as he says, I know at the beginning of verse 12, he says surely at the beginning of verse 13. Surely the righteous will give thanks unto thy name. Of course they will. They'll give thanks to God because they have a reason to give thanks to God. Because he's rescued them. And they'll give thanks to God because they want to honour him. They are God's people. They, They owe everything to him. They belong to him. They are precious to God. And God has a promise for them. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Yes, there is a place for God's people with God. God will live with them and be their God and they shall be his people and always they shall live with him forever and ever because their current troubles in this life may be so severe as David's were but God is rescuing them and God is bringing them into his own presence where there will be joy for them forevermore. In a moment I'll read you the whole psalm, but first as always, here's my email address so that you can write to me, 333kjv at com. It will be lovely to hear from you at 333kjv at com. And now, here is the whole psalm. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually. Are they gathered together for war? They've sharpened their tongues like a serpent Adder's poison is under their lips. Selah. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purposed to overthrow my goings. The proud have hid a snare for me, and cords, they have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me. Selah. I said unto the Lord, Thou art my God, hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked, further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves, Selah. As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth, Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence.